0: Gaining perspective is vital in leading with excellence. A powerful exercise for broadening perspective is getting to know how others see you, but we're biased, so we need help. Now, here's a sobering quote from Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People that reminded me of how important this is. Until we take how we see ourselves and how we see others into account, we will be unable to understand how others see and feel about themselves and their world. Unaware, we will project our intentions on their behavior and call ourselves objective. Welcome to the Impact of Leadership podcast, where we believe that no one drifts into excellence. I'm your host, Steve Scheer, and today is part one of the Enneagram, a tool for gaining perspective and increasing empathy. My guest today is the Impact of Leadership's very first guest contributor, Ashley Banger. She's a life coach, a writer, a mom, a wife, and has studied and used the Enneagram for years. She's driven to connect people to their life's mission and help them overcome obstacles along the way. We are so excited to have Ashley contributing to the IOL community and now on the podcast. So, Let's jump into it with Ashley giving us a framework of the Enneagram.
1: My favorite word to use for the Enneagram is tool. Um, It's a really helpful tool in starting to learn more about your personality and then also the personalities of the people around you. Um, I also like to use the word wisdom. So it is different than other personality tools in that regard. There's just so much to it, like you said. And so I believe there's just more wisdom behind it than some of the other personality tools that you might encounter. But at its most basic level, it provides language for um, who you are and why you are doing what you are doing, why you are thinking, feeling, and acting the way that you are. And I also love it the most when you're thinking about other people in relation to yourself. So in relationship with your spouse, your coworker, your kids, your friends, it's just a beautiful tool. I feel like it's a roadmap for starting to understand people and then also how you then can love them well and care for them well when you start to understand and have empathy for them. So
0: that's good. I've, I've heard several people actually say that, uh, that word empathy in regards to, uh, the, the Enneagram and understanding those around you more. And as you understand those around you more, your empathy kind of rises. Does that correlate to some of the things that you found?
1: Definitely. I I have a story I love to share. Um, So I'll just go off the bat. I won't make you guess. I'm a seven on the Enneagram. Um, So I bring when I enter a space, I bring this energy that's just kind of outward, like it affects those around me. Um, And I met this woman at church, and she was a five on the Enneagram. So her energy was more withdrawing. And I noticed whenever I entered her like space, I could see on her face that she just was overwhelmed by me. Just just like, what are you doing? I don't want to talk to you. So instead of assuming that she didn't like me, um, we actually, we became friends over some time and then had some good conversations. And of course, I pushed a little um, in becoming her friend, but learned that that I just overwhelmed her with my energy. She wasn't prepared to, um, give me any of her energy necessarily when I entered her space as a surprise. So we learned that we'll talk about fives, but they divvy out their energy throughout the day. And when something comes up that they didn't plan for, that can be really hard for them. So I would come up sometimes to Natalie, um, and she didn't plan for me. And so we we uh, got past that a little bit in learning who we are with each other, and it got better. I you know I could tone down my energy a little bit. <laughs> she, she, um, needed a she needed a She needed a tone, cover. right? And that's it too. You start to recognize how you show up in the world and how that influences people around you. And so it, that's another loving thing when you're like, well, how am I possibly hurting this person or possibly helping this person, or how can I do that? And the enneagram just really has helped me learn. Um, just become more self-aware, right? Like, what am I doing here and why?
0: You touched on it already, but how is the Enneagram structured differently than other personality tests? You, you talked about numbers and things like that. And for those that aren't familiar, I think this would be a really helpful insight into how the Enneagram is structured versus some other personality assessments you might be aware of.
1: Yeah, there's a really great depth to it. So it's a bit challenging to do something like this with the Enneagram to just talk about it at surface level, because it's really good to dip your toe in, but there's so much to know. So I don't want to deter people um, right away because you learn about a number at its like most basic place, and then there's so much to know about that underneath. So there's there's work to do, and over time, it's it's easier to get to know about it, like more about the enneagram. But I also just love that it's connected. All of the numbers are connected. We are one dominant style, um, but we are a mix of all of them really, um, and then. Also, each number has the positives and negatives about it, so it can be hard to learn because it's like somebody reading your mail when you start to learn your style. And there's things that you see there that are hard to understand, but they can be really true. And so I think that's the difference between um, the Enneagram and some of the other personality types. It just it carries um, through more. As I meet people in the world, I just I've found it to be so much more useful than some of the other personality tests. Not that the others aren't good too for their, you know, for their places. But no, it's the too late. I'm gonna email the disc people and tell them you hate them. That's fine. Oh shoot! It's too, late. <laughs>
0: it's too late. You said it, not me. Uh, so the 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 the, the numbers. Uh, what what's the? I know you're probably gonna get into this in a little bit, but what's the range of numbers like numerically? How many are we talking about?
1: We're talking about nine. So overall, that can sound like a lot, nine, Um, but I'm going to break them down into three groups of three and they do categorize really well in their similarities when we're talking about stances. So um, it's hard. The numbers don't necessarily mean anything at first, even the titles of the people, because they can change. Um, But once you get to learn, once you hear about them and you're like, yeah, that sounds like me or that sounds like my spouse or that sounds like my coworker. then it starts to rise to the top that you start to learn what the numbers are and why and how they really come to
0: play. That's good. And before we get into the fun stuff of types and things like that, I I want to know, or styles, excuse me. uh, I want to know, you mentioned the word tool. I love that. Where do people go wrong with this tool? Any suggestions or warnings for us as we, as we, yes.
1: oh, I have warnings from experience <laughs> as, as I already said, I can be kind of an aggressive number and a little bit thoughtless in it. So I show up in the world first. Um, my husband calls me a, uh, fire ready aim. So I've made lots of mistakes in, um, mostly in trying to type other people that don't, Want to be typed. You know, they don't. They don't want to know what their enneagram number is, or they're just not at the right place to learn the good and the bad about the number. And I've kind of gotten into some hot water mostly with family members <laughs> because family is such a dynamic structure. It's really nice to know numbers with your family to kind of again that empathy piece. Have empathy for somebody like a brother when you like grew up with them, and you know it's hard to have empathy for them sometimes. So, um, the, yeah, the biggest challenge I would say is when you start to tell somebody else about their (laughs) number. Don't do that. (laughs) No. And I've learned you just ask questions. Like if you are really into the Enneagram or you find this to be really useful and you want to start conversations with people about it that aren't necessarily interested, ask them questions about their life and who they are or, um, things related to the Enneagram and you can use the language without actually even saying Enneagram. So not that it's manipulative. It's just helpful. You ask questions instead of telling people what they are. Um, and the other thing I wanted to say is it can be kind of reductive, just like any personality. You are, We are very complex creatures. So this is a helpful launching point, but it's not, you know, everything. And so it's not putting people in a box. Don't let it put you in a box kind of thing. Yeah.
0: I've heard it said, you can't give what you don't have. So a few questions for you. Do you have consistent encouragement in your life? Do you have fun at work and home? Do you have a plan? Do you have a vision? Do you have creative ideas? Do you have hope? Do you have optimism? Do you have accountability? Do you have balance? We have resources to help fill your leadership cup. Go to impactofleadership.com. Hover over the community resources tab and get what you need so you can keep going. Now, back to Ashley. I know we're not going to do this fully justice. That's a huge topic, but anything else that you want to say before we jump into uh, the first set of, of three?
1: Yes. Well, I do want to ask you, Steve, like, what is your Enneagram number? Share with us a little bit about your Enneagram journey, as I'm sure all the listeners want to know. (laughs)
0: I'm into disc and you already offended me big time. I uh, I actually do like the disc assessment too, but I, so it's funny uh, in a quick snapshot, I was hearing about Enneagram stuff, didn't really understand what it was, but I'm, I have a natural bend toward adventure and fun and people see that. So others like you were talking about, don't type people. Others were saying, oh, you got to check out the Enneagram because you're totally a seven. Oh, sorry. No, 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 no. It wasn't you and it's okay. But, but, uh, and I was like, well, I don't know what that means, but I like figuring this stuff out of personality and that kind of thing. Um, I've always enjoyed, for the most part, I shouldn't say always, I've pretty much always enjoyed uh, learning about myself, even when it's kind of cringeworthy of, oh, dang, that is me. I do that thing. Uh, so part of my Enneagram sort uh, journey is, I guess I'm a seven. I don't really know. And then, uh, reading a book, uh, road or journey to you or road back to you or something like that. Um, road back to you. Yeah. So, and then my wife, Beth was listening to these podcasts about it and it became, okay, I'm going to get into this in as far as it aids in conversation with Beth. And that's really how it jumped off. So we would, get coffee or whatever. And we would just talk about these, the things that she was learning with this. And then I had a place of some knowledge to, to learn as well. So that's some of the backstory. I did find for myself that it caused some, uh, layer of empathy to rise, even, even in our relationship of, okay, I get why this kind of stuff irritates you or bothers you or drains you, uh, when it doesn't for me. And it, you know, it's just different. Uh, but numbers wise, I've taken a couple different like assessments and, and even reading the book and kind of identifying that, uh, yep, seven for sure when th- there's adventure fun, balloons, uh, confetti, lighten the room up. But I also have this other side of me that could sit in a tree stand and I just wanted to not talk to anybody and not look at my phone and just listen to the birds <laughs> and and get I get drained by too, like being on too much. Um, so I think depending on the situation for leading at CCB or with the impact of leadership or whatever, um, I have to turn on those different things. And like you said, know who I'm talking to, the role that I'm playing and, and kind of pull back or, uh, push into that. So seven, eight was what I tested at on the, on the high side or the higher two. And then I think I had some three and um, another number that I can't remember, uh, like I think three is like the achiever or something like that, um, which made sense because I, I typically like setting goals and achieving them that kind of thing. So, I do I do uh, I, I find uh, the tool of the enneagram very helpful in just connecting with people, and I yeah. love I love that stuff.
1: That's so. great. And you know what's funny is you if you identify with the, um, the three, the seven and the eight, they happen to all be in the same stance or social style, which is what we're going to talk about. So it's actually a great segue. <laughs> so I did not, that was not planned. That's
0: uh, <laughs> just what it is. Uh, so, all right, well then let's get into it. Walk us, uh, you know, well, actually, do you want to talk to us about the first yeah. three before? Okay. Yeah. Set the stage for, before we jump into the specifics. Yeah.
1: Yeah, just a flyover. So the um, each person is one dominant style, but the numbers are so connected that there is something also called wings and arrows, which I'm actually not going to talk about today, but just know that's how they can be all connected. So Steve, when you're talking about the seven, the eight, the three, that all makes sense as they're connected numbers. But um, we are one dominant style and that doesn't change throughout our life. Um, the thing that does change would be your level of health, and unhealth um, in certain space, and that changes all the time, <laughs> like moment to moment. Especially for me, one minute I'm in healthy space, then I'm in unhealthy space, and then there's this space in the middle that I like to call—well, lots of people like to call—average space. And we spend a lot of time in average space, so it's good to know when you learn the the harder sides of the numbers that you're not—you know—you don't always stay in unhealthy or healthy space, but every number has that spectrum. And so I'll touch a little bit on each of those uh, pieces of each number. So you kind of get a feel for that. And when you're thinking about yourself or coworkers or family members, you can kind of identify um, that might help you like start to identify numbers and things like that.
0: So wing and arrow, uh, I know you're not going to get into it in depth, but wing is the one that's closest and then arrow maybe points to something else.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so your wings are the numbers on either side of your number. So if you were a seven, for example, you could have a really strong eight wing or a really strong six wing. And um, I believe that they you can use them both throughout your life. And one might be stronger than another throughout certain times of your life. Um, and then the arrows are in stress or security. So again, if you are a seven, you would go to a five insecurity, which actually makes sense when you're talking about sitting in a deer stand. Because it's the fives connect with nature. They, um, they're oftentimes introverted. They, so they get energy by themselves and um, they can always be kind of on the quieter side too.
0: I, f- I felt like that side, so that, okay, I know that I'm jumping all over, but this, during the height of COVID, I felt like that portion of my personality was exercised so much more than the outgoing work the room side. And it was so much easier for me to spend time alone after experiencing some of the COVID stuff and the shutdown and all of that. And it was really difficult to get back into the swing of working a room more so than it had been in the past. So that makes... That makes sense.
1: Yeah, no. And I think so from one fellow seven to another, woohoo, fun. It's really hard to feel like people expect you to be on all the time. That's the dark part of the seven is that we do show up often with energy, with life, with um, optimism and joy. And of course, people love that. But then we feel like we have to be that every time we enter that space that we started that way, you know? And so I think that that makes a lot of sense. And that's a good thing to know about the, the seven type because they don't always, I don't always want to be on or the energy in the room or the life of the party. <laughs> I, know. I like to when I want to, but sometimes I don't want to.
0: <laughs> right. So, so you talked about, um, uh, sets of three, that the three went together. So three, seven and eight went together. Uh, do, do you want to talk about the how those are broken out between the, the nine total and how that works together?
1: Sure. So they're known as the aggressive style or the aggressive stance. I'm noticing I'm using stance more than style. So um, they would be the ones that when they show up in a room are um, kind of attacking the room in a way like they are outward energy. They really believe that they can influence the world and they often do. And I just like to say that when they show up, you know that they're there. So they create waves. Um, And often they're really good at getting things done. Now I'll say the seven isn't as much as the three or the eight, but um, the threes are really great at setting goals and achieving them. But each number on the Enneagram has a motivation. So that would be also why it's not good to type others because you can identify their behavior, but you can't identify their motivation. The motivation of a of a three, or as a seven, as we've talked about them a lot, is um, to avoid pain, which you would have never known. I would have never known that unless that was told to me, but it's very true of me now that I know that. Um, but back to the three, their motivation is the need to appear successful. So you'll often see them as very successful people. They're great leaders. They really connect well with people. And the reason is, is they're really in tune with who is around them. And they're usually trying to figure out what that person needs, and then providing it for that person. So, in a way, they're really good on a stage. Um, they're really good at kind of shifting sometimes what they're providing people, whoever they're talking to. Um, but they're gonna. Their goal is to appear appear successful. So, in healthy space, again, kind of they're confident and competent. Um, they don't need others' approval, but they work hard and they succeed. Um, in unhealthy space, they can look really image conscious, like very aware of how people are perceiving them, which can lead to looking a little superficial in vain. Um, and sometimes because that drive to be successful is so strong, they can become a workaholic just because, um, yeah, that's where they find their. they can sometimes put their value there.
0: That's good. What about uh, seven and eight
1: yeah, so sevens, as you kind of shared too, um, they can show up really optimistic, energetic. They're always up for a good time. Um, they can be really spontaneous, creative, and engaging. Um, so that would be, you know, bringing up the bringing up the room and um, laughing a lot. And I find the sevens I meet are fast talkers, <laughs> and um, I like that. It's just sevens have a really really busy brain. They have the busiest brain. Um, on the Enneagram. So there's a lot going on in there and it can switch around and change really, really quickly. So they're really good at new ideas. They're really good at thinking of funny things to say quickly and kind of jiving. Um, But sometimes they can have a hard time with,
0: go ahead. Let me jump in real quick. Yeah. Yeah. Because what people don't know is months and months and months ago uh, when you, Patrick and I met, it was, it was like, Las Vegas. It was three sevens. It was not. (laughs) It was. It was nuts. And it was supposed to be like an hour, and it was like three and a half. I don't even remember. True. And I'm drinking kombucha that you brought in. We're laughing about whatever. I'm sure. I think at one point Patrick is crying because he's so happy. Like it was. (laughs) It was. It was a lot of fun, and we did accomplish some stuff. But it was. I can speak to the energy in the room was very very high, and it was a ton of fun. So anyway, you can. You can keep going. That was a good
1: thing. That's true. And I just, I love that. Um, it's just, it's such a beautiful thing because that can be such a joyful, it is, That's joyful and good. Um, but just like all the other numbers, and I think a lot of people think the sevens are just like haven't made, you know, but really the sevens are the motivated by this need to avoid pain. So they're like quickly looking for other things to cover up this emotional pain or things they don't want to deal with that are hard for them. I personally experience pain and boredom. Like whenever or some or when something is really challenging that I'd rather not do, you know, like um, the whole sink full of dishes, <laughs> you know, those things just aren't very fun. And so that's hard for me. Um, and, and again, you touched on it. When the sevens don't want to be on, they feel like people expect them to always be bringing that energy. And it just I think it can lead to some seclusion from the sevens because they just don't necessarily want to be able to want to do that. Um, The other thing is focus. It's just hard for sevens to focus um, sometimes when uh, there's other distractions or there's a lot going on in their brain and they just kind of jump to another thing um, instead. So, yeah, they can sometimes uh, look a little fake and shallow and oblivious to the world around them. So good and bad about them all. <laughs> yeah, there is. Sorry, Steve. But,
0: but, No, that's people. People are people.
1: People that's are people.
0: good. Like, you, gotta, you have to know yourself. Otherwise, well, you don't have to, but you're going to create a lot of messes if you don't. Um, so uh, eight, you want to jump into eight?
1: Yeah. Um, so eights are motivated by the need to be strong. So they avoid weakness. When they show up in a room, they're usually looking to see who's in charge. And if they're not the ones in charge, they want to identify who is the one in charge. And sometimes they can kind of test them to see if they're strong enough. So um, the great things about an eight is that they're very honest. Um, they, don't, they don't beat around the bush really ever. They'll tell you what they think and what they feel. Um, they have a lot of energy as well. And they really also get a lot of things done. When they set their mind to something, they're on the track, they hit it, they reach that goal. They're really good leaders. Um, they're also aware of those around them who might be the underdog and often kind of look to that person to kind of help them and bring them up, um, in kind of like a merciful, a merciful way. Um, but they can be really intense. Actually, my favorite thing to say about eights is that intensity equals intimacy. And so they like that intense nature of things and they can pick it up and put it down. They don't necessarily take like harbor lots of things when they walk away from like an intense situation, like a conflict or something like that. Um, But unfortunately some of the unhealthy stuff about an eight, they can be kind of hostile sometimes, or just a little like, like a bully. They can seem threatening or um, too aggressive. They can be insensitive and sometimes confrontational.
0: And so for, for an eight and steer it, if I'm, if I'm off here, that type of personality probably feels loved if you push back and give it to them straight.
1: Exactly. They love that. They really don't like um, vacillators, like those who can't make up their mind, are kind of skittish. They really like being talked to directly. And I have experienced that in my life too with an eight. When you just, when you kind of like stand up next to them and like say what you think and what you feel, even if it doesn't, if it doesn't agree with them, they're fine with that. They'd rather have a heated debate about it and then move on than, than you pretend like you agree with them or are scared of them. <laughs> so,
0: the, What else with this set of three, is there anything else that we should be thinking about that we should know about? Again, I know this is, I've used this ter- this uh, phrase before with other podcasts on big topics. It's, it's fish food. I know that you want to give a full meal, but this is kind of like fish food on top of the water. It's not going to fill people up. So, is there anything else with these with this first set of three that you uh, that you want to talk about?
1: So, the next stance that we'll talk about is the withdrawing stance. So, I just again back to that story of my girlfriend who's a five. I think that sometimes three sevens and eights just aren't aware of their energy or how they impact other people, and I think that they're willing to listen to that. So if there's a three or seven or eight in your life as a coworker, spouse, or friend that you just feel like um, overwhelms you or doesn't understand some of the things they're doing, just to, to sit down and ask them questions about it and share your experience of, of them, I think is helpful. Because again, this isn't a, necessarily a sensitive, they're not super sensitive <laughs> styles. They, they, From my experience, they'd much rather connect with a person and care for them well then feel like offended that you shared something that was hard for them to hear.
0: So as we close part one, I forgot to say at the beginning, uh, we're going to do a two-parter so that we can get through all of this um, and and give people a well-rounded, good launching point, I should say. So as we close part one, um, any resources that come to mind? I know I mentioned that book before, but what resources would you point people to uh, if they want to dig into uh, this topic a bit more in the meantime?
1: Yeah, the the first one I want to share is the uh, um, impact of leadership blog. So I've been writing um, some of the blogs of the different numbers and a little bit more information about each one um, on the blog. So if you would uh, check it out, you'll see yeah, just a little bit more information about each number there. Um, and then I do have a website that I would love you to to click on and like send me a little message. You can do that right there, and I would love to talk to you about it. I just love this stuff, <laughs> and I love talking to people. So. Um, it's just my name, com, And Steve will put that in the notes too. Um, and then I do, I recommend, like you said, Steve, The Road Back to You is a really good first book to kind of pick up and get a little bit um, informa- of information about each of the styles. And then I personally love um, the Enneagram Journey podcast with Suzanne Stabile. That's, um, that's a teacher that I really appreciate. And her um, Enneagram Journey is just, she just talks to people, of all different numbers. So you can really hear what these numbers look like in real life um, when they come alive on that podcast. So I really recommend that too. It's
0: great. I will uh, put those things in the notes. Thank you again for being on here. My pleasure. Ashley, and uh, I'm looking forward to having everybody be able to hear both part one and part two. All right. So takeaways and action items. First of all, the takeaways. Number one, the Enneagram is a tool to gain perspective and increase empathy. Number two, you can see people's actions, but you can't judge their motives. Action items. Number one, click the links in below to read the blogs that Ashley has written on this subject and to connect with her beyond this episode. When I reference the show notes, that's what I'm talking about. You can scroll in your phone, or if you're on the website, you can scroll to the bottom, look for the hyperlinks. Number two action item, listen to part two with Ashley, where we cover the rest of the numbers on the Enneagram. Now you can make this really easy on yourself. To hear the next episode, all you got to do is follow or subscribe in whatever platform you're using to stream this. And like magic, when it comes out, It'll be in your phone. It'll be in your device. Now, the plus side beyond that is that we have over 100 episodes outside of these ones with Ashley that will aid in your growth as a leader. So by following or subscribing, you're getting them all, just like magic. Now, consider giving us a review. Now, I just wanna tell you why I'm saying give us a review. On the most basic level, it helps us know that what we're doing actually matters because we're human and we forget. We get focused on on our day-to-day. And so seeing your, your feedback, your reviews, encourages us because we're not shooting for fame or fortune we're aiming at adding value to leaders and your feedback your reviews are a great encouragement in that regard and if you thought of somebody during this episode please consider sending it to them with a note of encouragement as a reminder don't forget to check the show notes resources and connections abound Now, I can't wait to be with you again soon. But until then, from all of us at The Impact of Leadership, thanks for listening.